Catcher Dorian. And you're listening to another episode of The Accessible Stall. What are we going to talk about today, Emily? Can we please talk about what it means to be too radical or not radical enough in social justice movements? Let's do that. Okay, so I have this thing in my head of, you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears with... um, No, I've never heard that story. (laughs) Wait, are you serious? (laughs) No. (laughs) You just said it with such conviction. I was like... Wait, maybe he had a really sheltered childhood. I don't know. Um, so it's like, this person's too radical. This person's not radical enough. This person's radicalism is just right, based on my individual opinion. Yes, they align mostly with what I like. And if it's too much, it's too much. If it's too little, they're just garbage in either direction. Right, Exactly. So that's how I've been thinking about social justice lately. And I think that a lot of this is prompted by how people engage on the social medias. But just in general, I've been getting a lot of people coming at me, quite honestly, uh, in both directions. Some people saying that I'm too militant in my thinking about disability and that I should really ease up on people and then people telling me that my work and my methodology and my ways of thinking about disability are really just pandering to non-disabled people and so therefore I'm doing more harm than good and so I've decided in social justice you just can't win. In your experience so far, I'm curious which side the disability community at large tends to land on. To be honest, it's relatively split. There really? are disabled people who have been saying that my work is just not radical enough and is basically ableist in and of itself. And then there are people who are saying that, you know, I'm too much. I'm just a lot. And look, I am a lot. <laughs> like, that's your thing, right? Like, I don't, I think that's like you, but are you a lot or are you that person's first exposure to a type of systemic issue that they've never heard of or maybe only heard of in passing you know for a lot of people especially with your book i'm wondering maybe are you like like a certain contingency of people's first disabled person and you've ripped open their eyes and they don't like what they're seeing now well yeah i think that's what's happening a lot of people feel like my book is just too much a list of things to worry about getting wrong or things that they have to remember or rules that they have to follow. And they're like, why can't you just let everyone live? Like, let me live. And then there are people who are like, are you kidding me? You spelled this out to the point that you're basically just speaking to non-disabled people and they should already know better and you know how dare you spell it out for them i mean they should already know better but they don't that's kind of right like i don't know well i think that's the thing about social justice in a nutshell is that 
and I know I'm going to get flack for this, but at this point, I've made up my mind that I'm sticking to how I feel. If we expect that people have knowledge of social justice and they understand the jargon and they understand the principles and they understand what it means to be a good ally, et cetera, et cetera. I think we did an episode on this, like the in-speak episode. Yes, yes. It's almost a form of privilege in and of itself. If you come from a place of assuming that everybody is on the same page and at the same level as you are when it comes to understanding of systemic social justice issues. And I don't think that's going to be a popular thing for me to say. But what I mean by that is that people in social justice work often share a certain vocabulary and a certain understanding of the world and concepts. And even though we are often marginalized, there's still a level of privilege in that we've had access to educate ourselves about these issues. And I'm not saying that it's fair that we've had to, because in a world where things like ableism didn't exist, it wouldn't be a problem in the first place. But the fact that people act like everyone should just understand social justice issues completely discounts the fact that people come from all different upbringings and backgrounds and parts of the world. And, you know, basic disability history is not even in public school curricula. So, like, come on. I don't know. Do you see what I mean? I have so many layers here. Do you know where I learned the most disability history? Where? You know what I'm going to say. Your book. <laughs> and my book, it's such an incomplete overview, though. There's so much that I missed and didn't include. Well, yeah, I know that now because I went and I read Wikipedia, which, by the way, has a very great, amazing timeline of the disability rights movement. <laughs> it does. But you're, you are what got me started. And I'm someone who does know better, a lot better. And yet, I didn't know anything about disability history. I think you're absolutely right. I think that uh, people are want to forget when they didn't know anything about social justice and when they saw an, an injustice and were just like, this is wrong and someone should do something about this without knowing how to express themselves at all. And along the way, probably had terrible problematic opinions that in retrospect, they can look back on and go, wow, that was awful, even though they had their beliefs in the right place. I know certainly I was like that. Like, on the one hand, I want to give those people the benefit of the doubt. On the one hand, it's like, okay, you know, you're probably marginalized too, and your anger is probably coming from a justified place somewhere. But on the other hand, it's like, at what point are you just being a bully to someone who's just trying to educate, like, the masses who they know don't know better. Yeah. And also, at what point are you being a bully to the masses? And I know that's going to make people mad too, but like, come at me at this point. Because I, I am not justifying any form of discrimination. I'm really not. But at the same time, 
I always ask myself whether somebody seems to come from a point of view of knowing better. And while I believe that we live in a world where everybody should know better, I have a lot of questions like, does that person have internet access? Do they use the internet? What corners of the internet do they find themselves on? Who do they surround themselves with? Where did they grow up? Where did they go to school? What do they do for work? What income class level are they at? I mean, there are so many things that factor into a person's understanding of the world and understanding of systemic injustices. And that in and of itself is a systemic injustice. Can I bring up a like a sort of related thing? Yeah, sure. So I really hate when people say it's not my job to educate you. And I'll tell you why. I understand the sentiment behind it. But I feel like a lot of these social justice like like, I don't know, slang terms, like, I don't know, like all these phrases that we have in our sort of vocabulary are shorthand for a much larger thing. It's not my job to educate you typically means it shouldn't be my job as the marginalized person to educate you, the non-marginalized person. But unfortunately, you know, when, when you're telling that to someone who doesn't know anything, they might Google it. And typically when you Google a, a lot of these issues, the first results are almost always things like Breitbart and PragerU and like horrible, horrible websites that never have paywalls. And so they're going to see that first. They might not read any further. And if they did click a legitimate link, they might not be able to read it because it's like stuck behind a paywall or subscription. So like, I think that that phrase is, to be honest, like, not good. Like, I really think that it always does more harm than good. I am totally with you. And I know that's a hugely unpopular opinion. I think we should honestly just call this episode like unpopular opinions. But really, I get very frustrated when people are just like, Google it. I'm not Google. And no, I'm not Google. But at the same time, I don't want to alienate you either. If you're really trying, I'm not going to try to push you further away by saying that it's not my job to educate you. At the same time, I do want to clarify, I don't think that any marginalized person should just exist to be another person's teachable moment. Like there's a time and a place for asking questions. There's a time and a place for wanting to be educated. And some things that people do are just inexcusable and you don't owe those people your time. Like I'm not saying that if somebody screamed a bunch of ableist epithets at you, that you owe them your time. But what I am saying is if somebody uses outdated language and then you say, that's don't, like, that's bad. Don't use that language. And then they're like, oh, why? And then you're like, Google it. How is that helpful? It's, yeah, it's not. I don't know. I just, I don't like when folks shut you down before you start. Right, exactly. Because as annoying as it is for me to feel like I always have to educate people, when sometimes I just want to live my life. At the same time, if somebody is asking me a genuine question, I'm happy to point you in the right direction. I'm not going to teach you an entire like college class on the subject, but if somebody really doesn't understand why a word that they're using is harmful, for example, like saying special needs instead of disabled, I'm not going to just yell at them more. I'm going to send them some links to read about why 
disabled is for so many people the preferred terminology and about why at the end of the day you should still respect whatever a person's preferred terminology is. I'm not just going to yell at them. If they keep doing it, then I'm going to be annoyed. And back to like your original like point about or question about being radical or too radical or not radical enough. It's like, I don't understand why there are people who aren't okay with you or anyone else being the kind of activist that you or anyone else just wants to be. It's like, well, okay, if, if you feel like Emily Ladau is not a radical enough activist and you know enough to know that, then why don't you do it? You know? I, because I think the assumption is that I'm somehow undoing people's hard work. But the reality I is... I don't agree with that. I think that a lot of that hard work goes right over a lot of people's heads because they don't have basic primers and understandings. And I'm not saying I am the authority on disability, like the exact opposite. I'm one person. I'm not an expert. But if I can do anything to make it a little more accessible and understandable for you, why not let me try? Like, oh my God, I feel like I just want to yell, like, let me live. Something that we try to do every, every single episode of the show is to not alienate anyone able-bodied. And I, I think we've done a decent job at that. I mean, I don't know, but like, I really do. I, I think that people who are able to listen to us don't feel like they're our enemy or don't feel like they're scared. And I just wish that that was afforded to everybody in that way. I, I don't think that it's harmful. Or I don't think it's, I, I think that, you know, I think that disability is hard to understand. I think that disabled people tend to understand it more just by virtue of being born the way we are or having acquired it when we did. I think that there are people in, in our community and in every social justice community that like being like part of, they don't like being marginalized, obviously, but they like having that camaraderie. They like having that lingo. They like having that jargon. They like having that community. And I think that when you and I come along and like try to include other people who might not know, I, I can't help but wonder if they feel like we're letting them into the club or something like that, or like we're t telling them a secret, even though all I think we're doing is trying to educate people as best we can in the simplest ways we know how. Yeah, I think there's this assumption that if you're not doing activism in a certain way, that you're undercutting the people who are doing it in what is supposedly the right way. And I've been called out for even acknowledging that disability can be intimidating to other people. And I've been told that that in and of itself is ableist. Yes, it is ableist, but it's not that I'm being ableist. It's that I live in an ableist society where I need to acknowledge that reality and meet people where they're at to try to move them past that way of thinking. But if I don't acknowledge that that way of thinking exists in the first place, how are we going to move past it? Yeah, exactly. You can't. Because the alternative is you go up to someone and say, oh, like what? You're like garbage for not thinking that people with disabilities can like live a normal life, that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. And there's a very good chance that people 
are only thinking that because that's how they've been socialized to think. I mean, look at what the media shows about disability. Mm-hmm. We are surrounded by messages that disabled people are pitiful individuals. My own parents fall for that crap sometimes. Yeah, it's you know, and it, it's so ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. And if we can't get away from being surrounded by that messaging, then how can we expect people to ever move forward in their thinking without first acknowledging that there's a reason they think that way? I don't think that acknowledging that there's a reason someone thinks the way they do makes the person acknowledging that acknowledgement the ableist one or the racist (laughs) one or the misogynistic one or anything like that. I really don't. You know, you're pointing out someone's ableist thinking or or whatever. You know, if you if you say to me, "Hey, Kyle, th- that thing you said was slightly sexist," I'm I'm not going to be like, "Well, you're the real sexist for recognizing that it's sexist." There you go. Like it's like that's not how it works. Yeah, I feel super frustrated by all of this because. This constant back and forth of how to do things the right way is, I think, the reason that we're not getting as far as we would like to get. And I, for one, would really love to put myself out of business and not be having these conversations anymore. But it's not going to happen because we can't even agree internally. And I should clarify that if I do something really wrong and really ableist, like, absolutely call me out on that. And also, there are plenty of times where I don't recognize my own ableism. That's not necessarily something I'm proud of. Like, I'm no, I'm not proud of it, but it's a reality. Like, I'm not always aware of my own ableism. I'm not always aware of my own biases and prejudices, and I'm constantly learning. But If I'm constantly learning, then shouldn't I also recognize that other people are also learning? And that's what I don't, that's what I really kind of don't like. It's because if you look at disability Twitter, you can see for days and days, you can scroll through Twitter and all of them, even us, acknowledge that there's always something to be learned and that every day is a learn you know a learning process and that we're not perfect we all do that and we all should do that and so if you can afford yourself that level of grace why can't you afford that to the people that you claim to not need to educate like they're doing it too you just have more information than they do because you're born this way and you know some lingo and you know some history and you know some things and why wouldn't you want people to know that Isn't that what you want? I mean, don't you, aren't you tired? Don't you wish you could go home? Don't you wish you didn't have to tweet every day? Don't you wish you didn't have to write that book? See, but I think you were getting at this before in the same way that there might be some frustrations that it feels like you're letting people into a secret club. I also think that some people really thrive on the activism as frustrating as it is and as much as we wish we didn't have to do it. I'm calling myself out here. This is my job. You know, I'm not saying like, I want to take your livelihood away, but I'm just saying, don't you wish you didn't have to like, don't you wish we didn't live in a nameless world? <laughs> of course I do. but And I'm not saying that I think I'm some superhero who's here to fix it. But what I am saying <laughs> I'm, is like, I'm asking everybody. Oh, right. Like this, the more I, I'm right. including myself in this too. 
yeah, like I would love to pack up and go home and not think about this all the time, but I do think about it all the time. And so my hope is that maybe I'll change one person's mind. You've changed my mom's mind. Yes. <laughs> she, she listens to you more than me. You know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm That's packing it. up. I'm going home. I've peaked. Um, no, but really, and, and, you know, if you're someone who thrives in, in that world, I'm not saying at all that, like, you know, I, I wish that you would stop either. Like, I, I get it. Like for a lot of you, for a lot of us, this is a, a job, a hobby, a community, a lifestyle. Like there are, there are layers to this, right? But what I'm saying is, you know, just because Emily or I, or anyone else might explain something in a way you don't like, or. Where, where you don't flat out disagree, but you just wish we had done it differently. There, there are so many activists out there with all, like all the colors of the political spectrum in every intersection of identity that are also disabled. You know, you'll find your person. If you're someone who's new to this world, I mean, obviously we hope it's us, but like, you know, there's someone in, in the disability community for everybody. Like this is a very diverse group of people. And it's so funny how in one breath people can be like, there's 1.3 billion disabled people in the world and every single one of them has their own experience and you're only the expert on your own experience. But also if your experience is different than mine and your activism is different than mine, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. What? Well, obviously. Disabled like, people aren't a monolith. Except for when we think we should be, in which case we're still not, but we'll call you out for not being one. And again, like, I absolutely want to be called on my BS. If I'm really being ableist, tell me. And believe me, I have to do better in so many areas. I mean, like, I have to acknowledge my privilege here. I am a white woman. I am physically disabled. I do communicate verbally, right? Like, I do come from a middle-class home. I have privilege in so many ways. But at the same time, what I'm trying to do is balance that paradox of having privilege and being marginalized and find ways to bridge the gaps that I so often see are making it harder for the disability community. and maybe I'm doing that wrong. I don't know. Like sometimes I find myself completely doubting everything I do. But at the same time, there are so many people who are like, thank you for making me think about this issue in a way that I never thought about before. And I'm like, okay, I changed a mind today. That's kind of cool. What's the point of having privilege if you're not going to use it for good? Like, honestly, Yes, yes, you're an educated white woman from an upper or a middle class background. Okay, and look what you're doing. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what like to 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 like lift the voices of other marginalized groups and to educate other people from your own position of marginalization? Like, isn't that the best use of privilege? I don't want to pat myself on the back here, though. Like, I really don't want anybody thinking that I'm like looking for a cookie. I, I, I'm just saying, like. There are certainly worse ways you could be using it. Yeah, sure. I guess that's true. But at the same time, like what I was trying to say before, I think, is I don't want anybody to think that I believe I'm like here to save the day and that I'm the mm -hmm. expert on all things disability. I'm just doing my best. And my best is not always good enough. 
And I get that. But at the same time, I think when we fight each other, it makes it so challenging to figure out how to cut through the noise for the people who are just trying to find their way either as a new part of the disability community or to better understand the disability community as an ally. And if we're giving people so much to figure out and then getting mad at them when they don't figure it out, how are we helping ourselves? We're not. I just don't like, I I agree with you. I don't think that's a good way to, to be, you know, I mean, the other thing too, with like online discourse, it, it, including this to a degree, it, it's all a performance. Like, it's not like we don't believe what we're saying, but like, you got to remember that although we have like a core audience of disabled people, we don't know who's listening. This whole thing is a way for us and anyone else who uses Twitter like this, for example, to make a point and get your eyes and ears on it and hope that you listen to what we're saying. And for the, for the people for whom this is like their whole lives, I think it's easy to forget that like they too are performing. Every time you make a tweet that goes viral, every time we put out a podcast that gets a 300% increase on Google, you know, it's like we're doing this to spotlight an issue and hopefully get more people to care about it. I'm when I, I don't know about you, but I'm not thinking about people who might misinterpret what I'm saying, but not because they don't understand it, just because it's not quite the 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 the, the length to which they'd go. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and I also think. Yeah, sorry, that was that, a bit rambly. I apologize. No, I think. It's a performance, but in the same way, I think you're also pointing to a level of authenticity because when we're talking, we, yes, are technically performing in that we're talking for other people. But when you say that you're not always thinking about what every single other person is going to think about what you're saying, that's because you're expressing your authentic thoughts. Yes. And, you know, there have been times on this podcast where we have gotten it very, very wrong. And I think that is valuable to acknowledge that sometimes that level of not thinking about it can end up leading to thoughtlessness and carelessness. But at the same time, there's a level of authenticity that I think it's okay for us to have. And you talking about performances also reminded me of the fact that the deeper we go into social justice holes, unfortunately, the further away from the people that we want to reach, I think we get because mm-hmm. we end up in an echo chamber where the people who really need to hear it are not the ones who are listening. And that's something that I worry about. And I, I that's something I really do think about because, you know, at the end of the day, I think most disabled people listening to this, most of them understand a lot of the things we talk about. I mean, you might teach me about disability history and we might teach another disabled person something, but I want to make sure that able-bodied or non-disabled people know about things like ableism and know about how little tiny things can really affect us and how saying wheelchair bound does a lot more harm than just saying wheelchair user, you know, things like that. And 
so for me, I try really hard not to, at least while we do this podcast, uh, go too far down the rabbit hole. Does that mean that I don't hold radically, uh, you know, radical beliefs as it pertains to disability justice? No, but it does mean that, you know, I would probably not say something if I thought more people would be shied away from this than, you know, come to it. Not because I'm being in, like, I'm not hiding anything. It's just like, I want people to, like, learn from this, right? I think for me, it's more so not that I won't say something, but I'm going to think about how I'm saying it. And I know that's a little bit contradictory to what we were saying before, but more so I'm going to think about how I'm saying it so that I'm making it accessible, not so that I'm pleasing everyone. Right. Yeah. That's that's fair. And I really do care if I hurt somebody and I really do care if I make a mistake. I also really do care about letting other people make mistakes and letting them know that a mistake or two is going to happen and it's okay. And it's kind of a tough world to navigate out there and we're all figuring it out. I think, but like, I like you listener, like you've, you've made mistakes. We're not saying that we're infallible, but you know, you, you handle mistakes with grace, right? Like you don't, we hope you do. as, as, As long as somebody is willing to apologize acknowledge that what they did was wrong or hurtful or whatever and then don't do it again you know you don't have to forgive them you don't have to like them but like that's 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 it right i think that's another really good point like the responsibility is not on a marginalized person to make you feel better about your mistake and to coddle you and i think some people do think that i kind of coddle people but (sighs) i also think that there's a point to which I will let people mess up until I know that they've gotten to the point where they know better. And then at that point, I'm going to be like, you keep messing up, you keep making mistakes, and this is no longer just a one-off. And now this is getting hurtful. And now this is getting harmful. And there's a big difference to me between that and between giving people space to figure it out. You can tell though I, I feel like it's pretty it's not easy like obviously like it's not like the easiest thing to do but i know you and you know me and like you can tell when somebody is like disingenuous right off the bat or if somebody is like hey i don't understand this like can you please you know absolutely and also something else that i've been thinking about is i really wonder how people who are are on the more radical side of things engage and interact when they are not on social media because i know i feel very emboldened by the power of social media and having a platform but it's a very different situation when i'm out in public and somebody makes a comment and then i suddenly realize that i don't have a tweet thread to educate them you know Like just today I was out with my mother and someone slowed down their car and rolled down the window and started commenting about how we're going to get a speeding ticket, blah, 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 the usual jokes. And I was 
frustrated because it was already a difficult day and I just did not want to hear it. And my mother was like, Emily, just let it go. Just let it go. Just breathe through it. And you know what? She she was right because what am I going to do? Be like, pull over, get out of your car and let me school you on why what she said was obnoxious? I'm not going to do that. So yeah, I think these people who are super radical social justice activists who do incredible work that is really valuable may be very different people in person. And that could be because of safety reasons. It could be because of accessibility reasons, communication reasons. Like, I really do believe that we can and should separate out how we act in person and how we talk about things online. And there's so many people vying for attention and there's so many arguments. And believe me, I'm not one to stop conversation. Like I absolutely think that there should be dialogue. Um, I just don't think that it's healthy when we talk across purposes and don't find ways to meet each other where they're at. And I know that there are going to be people who listen to this who have all kinds of what ifs. And I really need people to understand that I am not justifying actual garbage behavior. I have my limits. I have very firm limits on what I will tolerate. I feel like if you're someone listening to this and your your gut instinct is to say, but like, what if... I implore you to like ask yourself why it is that you think we're the bad guys and like educate us on your what if instead of acknowledging the fact that we're trying to be very general here and we know that there's cases that work like oh, but Kyle, fit. it's not their job to educate us. I, I know, and we're not trying to educate you. <laughs> we, we're not. We're really not. You know, and it's also entirely possible that you have a perspective that we've never heard and boy would we love to hear it genuinely yeah like i know it might sound disingenuous also because i just made a joke because i'm feeling a little sassy no, but tonight. I'm, I'm not kidding yeah like, no i know you're not i agree with you like but i also i want to engage in measured conversation and I don't really want people screaming at me on twitter so if your inclination Seriously, if your inclination is to scream at me on Twitter, it's not going to work. It's going to be a lost cause. Like, please don't do that. And I realize that I may be alienating certain people just by saying that right now. But, man, I am tired. I feel like you've earned a break. <laughs> you've been through a lot this year. Haven't we all been through a lot this year? 2021 year. is a garbage year. Has been a garbage year. And to be quite honest... The vast majority of people who I'm not friends with don't know the half of it. So, yeah. But anyway, like, I I think it, when I listen back to this episode, I really am going to be like, wow, Emily, you were kind of being a spitfire here. But, like, I have feelings on this and not because they're really just personal. Like, this isn't really just about me and my book. This is, like, a much bigger issue we've touched on this a little bit for this whole time we've been doing the show i think you and your book are, are just like a reason to like really get into the weeds about this 
I guess some people are going to be like, okay, well, now you're just letting the haters get into your head. And then some people are going to be like, okay, well, I don't like what you're doing. And clearly you haven't learned anything and you still suck. So again, can't win. Should we be trying to win? Like, it's not a competition. It's just, these are my opinions. People like them most of the time. And then when they don't, they tell you, you know, it's, it's not a competition. You're absolutely right. It's not a competition. I, I know I'm it feels like one. Win. I know it feels like one. I mean, I'm not trying to discount your feelings. I'm just saying, like, what are you gonna do? Like, see, but the thing is, I don't really want to be in competition with anybody. And in fact, I want to make more space for other people. I don't want this to be the Emily show, which is hilarious because this is the Emily and Kyle show. But my point stands. My point sits. I mean, yeah, th th this, this is the emily show but like all, all the other stuff you do this is not no this is the emily and kyle show that's true this is uh, very much a two-person effort it, it is it is it is but i don't need things to be about me i just meant like out of all the things that you do this is probably the most that's about you like out of right, all like because you do the activism I do the activism. This is me unfiltered. Nobody else has edited what I am saying. Except for you do sound editing. Yeah, but I don't edit out stuff we say. I don't, unless we like misspeak like or, or like say like ice cream when we meant to say sorbet. Technicalities, my friend. Hey, they're different desserts. <laughs> I ate ice cream tonight. It was delicious. No, I'm sorry. Correction. I ate frozen yogurt tonight. No, I did eat ice cream. Do you guys know that Courtney eats ice cream with a fork? Okay. All right. I saw your Facebook post about that. And you want to talk about wrong opinions? That's a wrong opinion. Sorry, Courtney. She also stirs with a fork, but I'll give her that one because it's kind of like a whisk. But I also don't do that. I stir with a spoon or a whisk. I mean, fine. Stirring is fine. But what about when the ice cream melts and the yeah. fork can't hold it? Yep. Good so then what happens? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Because well, I use a spoon. Do you know that that post was literally like a point of conversation in my house? What? I feel like, yeah, I forgot to tell you this. Well, no, because like you're friends with both my parents on Facebook. So it's true. I, and they're wonderful. <laughs> so my dad was like, what is this nonsense about eating ice cream with a fork? And my mom was like, it doesn't matter what you eat ice cream with as long as you're like putting does. it in your mouth. I'm, I'm sorry. It very much does. But it's a spoon. It's a spoon. I think she was mostly just joking. It's definitely a spoon. We all agree in this house it is a spoon. Well, I didn't see the thing is I didn't want to out her because I because I know that people like like her or dislike her. Right? I didn't want anyone to know that that's what I was doing because I didn't want people to be biased for or against her. I wanted everyone's honest opinion. I'm sorry, do you really not think that when you were settling an argument about that, that people weren't immediately going to be like, oh, Kyle and Courtney are having an argument? I'm, I'm sure they were. I'm just saying I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to add to it. I wasn't going to make it like, I wasn't going to set it in stone. I want to clarify that just because I don't eat ice cream with a fork doesn't mean that I don't think Courtney is fantastic. Yes, I just same. don't agree with this particular thing that she does. And herein lies the bigger lesson of the episode. Exactly. People do things differently, and that's okay. Except this. 
Except this. Uh, this has been. Or wait, no, final takeaways. Don't eat ice cream with a fork. Was that? <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I just gave my final takeaway. I think we're good. So. This has been another episode of The Accessible Soul. Uh, if you are willing and able to donate, you can at patreon.com slash the accessible stall. Just $1 a month ensures that all current and future episodes of The Accessible Stall remain. What is it, Emily? Accessible! That means we transcribe them. We do. Anyway, may we say you look beautiful today. <laughs>